had me on my face for some days now and just being in his presence and getting in his word and just letting him just like we're just dwelling together for a little bit. And so I get really excited to see what he has to give us because it's it's things that we don't think about. It's things that we don't see sometimes. And the Lord came. I'm, I'm going to name today's title as Redefining Your Passion. Redefining Your Passion. The Lord some weeks ago uh, before the new year came in, the Lord uh, woke me up. And I had an encounter in a dream with him. And I began to see something happened so quickly like a movie going on but I began to come out of my dream and see it from a perspective of somebody looking into the dream that I was having and it was really really amazing because in this dream all I kept hearing was the word passion and the Lord's voice kept saying over and over again about passion and passion, and passion, and, and then in my dream, I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm saying, God, I'm like, what is passion? What does it look like? What does passion really look like? Passion in the dictionary, it means a powerful or compelling emotion or feeling, as in love or hate, and I began to talk to the Lord about that, because I was like, you can have passion in love or you can have passion for hate. And some people, they, they go to that extreme of having that crazy passion in a hatred way. We see it on the news. We see it in media. We see it everywhere, that hatred coming forth. But they're passionate about it. And then I began to see the, the flip side of that about what God wants us to function out of and be about is the passion of his love. And so I'm, I'm having this dream, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm in this dream, and I began to see the Lord sit me down. Those of you that don't know, in our ministry, in our media ministry, which is Media Revival, I've gotten the opportunity to sit with many generals of the faith and do interviews with them. And it's been such a blessing to have that opportunity to be able to sit with them and pull from them and really get the depths of their hearts and how their ministry even began before their name was even known. And, I, and in this dream, the Lord began to sit me down with professional people. He sat me down and I was interviewing a doctor. And I start interviewing the doctor and asking about how he became a doctor and, and, and what, what geared him to become this doctor. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I see this person's face begin to light up as they began to talk about their passion of being a doctor. Like there was so much excitement and so much oozing out of them when they were talking about their passion of their doctrine, that it was, it was like, it was like such intensity in what he was sharing with me and so much depth that it made me want to be a doctor. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I've never seen doctors with so much passion and so much deep 
things inside of them coming forth, and his mouth just opened, and he just was like so passionate about it. And then the Lord took me and had me sit down with an attorney. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to this attorney, and, and this person is just oozing out about how the law works and how powerful the law is and the justice of the law and all these things. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this person and the same thing happens again. I began to see their face light up. I began to see this deep, deep place that they're pulling from, from inside of them, of how it once began for them in their life and, their, and their being an, them becoming an attorney. So then, so I'm sitting here and I'm watching this on the outside, but I'm seeing into my dream at the same time. And then all of a sudden, I sit down with a business person. And I'm, I'm listening to this business person light up like, like never before, excited for the next big deal, excited for the next thing that, that they were going to begin to do in their business and how it was going to multiply and how it was going to grow and how it was going to do all these things. And I began to see this person just with this passion, this deep, deep passion of excitement that they got a high off their next big deal. They got such a high off of, off of the thing that God had placed in front of them for them to buy things and sell things and, and build things and plant things and all these things right in business. And I'm sitting there, and the Lord begins to tell me these two things. And he says, there's two things right now, this very moment, that have spoken to the people of God. And he's like, for this, for this season, he says, I want to tell you that the two things are the passion of the Christ, the movie, was one of them. The passion of the Christ, if I went to go and I saw interviews of Mill Gibson recently and how he talked about faith, hope, and love were the three main reasons of why God had him come. And he's a believer had him come to create such a movie of intensity, such a movie of depth of what Jesus went through. And people were offended and they were bothered by the intensity and the extreme parts of the movie that came forth out of there. And he took a lot of crazy hits for this movie that God told him to make. You see, it was the passion of the Christ, of Christ that drove him to make the movie as close as he could to what really happened. See, sometimes we're not ready for those extremes of passion. Sometimes we're not ready to take it all in. What really, really happened that day of the crucifixion of Christ? Sometimes it's too much for us to handle. I remember going to the theaters that day and watching it and people were crying and people had to walk out because it was so, such a deep thing that began to arose inside of you when you began to see the movie. And if you listen to his interviews, you can see the passion, just like I did, of the business person and the doctor and all these different people began to light up his face face and he began to weep in these interviews of how much depth was inside of him that God had given him all the tools and everything he needed to bring forth this movie for this generation. 
And so then I, 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 I began to see, like for a now time, they recently, Dr. Brian Simmons released a Bible. It's called The Passion's Translation. And some of you may be aware of this or maybe you're not, but I'm telling you, that is a huge tool for this generation and this season. Let me tell you why. Because it begins to tell the scriptures of a finished work. And I began to ask my husband about this because I know Pete is one to be, you know, go and, and, and go back and forth in the scriptures and things. And, and I began to read the transition between the different scriptures and how it transitioned. And it, it was all about the passion, the passion of the word, the passion of the, 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 that it is finished. We were singing about that this morning, about it is finished, about the Lord coming with a different perspective. And this man, what his family would do was they were missionaries. They would go to different countries and they would, they would try to bring the translations of the scriptures to wherever, whatever country they were at. And so it, it challenged him to really get deep into the word to find out the translation. I remember on our radio, we had, um, we had a broadcast one time that was for Japan. And I remember the people there telling me this, and it was so heartbreaking because the translation between the English version of the scriptures and when it translated into Japan and to their language was so different and I was like oh my god like it has to be your spirit god that comes and seals this thing together because in the translation part of the scriptures from one language to another things change let me tell you how so the word passion in latin their view of that word passion was sufferings. That was one perspective that the Latin brought forth, that it would change to pathos, and pathos meant sufferings. I'm going to show you the different transitions and how the different perspectives of the different languages and the different people came to pass with this one very word. The Hebrew, and, and you know, when we talk about his sufferings, I want to share this scripture with you. Because it says, in Philippians 3.10, it says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. The passion of the Christ, right? Being conformed. It's like, it's like when they talk about knowing him and his sufferings, it's not just about seeing the outside natural part of what Christ went through in his sufferings, it's like getting deep inside with Jesus of a oneness that comes in place that you understand the sacrifice and the sufferings that he took on for each and every one of us. Then you move on and you go to, you go to the Hebrew. And the Hebrew translation of passion is to cleave. Passion is cleaving to God. There's a oneness that happens when you begin to cleave to God. The best way, look, and this is so awesome because God begins to take that one word and he puts it in another form of another part of the scripture. And he says in, 
in um, Genesis 2.24, it says that that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. The power of oneness, he, he begins to tell about it in Genesis. That's the oneness he's talking about, how we're supposed to know him in his sufferings. I think that that, that has a lot to do with understanding that it wasn't just the sufferings, but there was something more greater than that. The Greek translated the word passion to apathos, a room of no exit. Do you, do you understand the different perspectives of the different languages and how it's translated? Passion in the Greek is what you suffer, an unescapability. That's the way they saw that. But when the Hebrew talk about it, to cleave is something much stronger in both its passive acceptance of what cannot be changed and an active way of meeting that, of staying with that, wrestling that, and coming through that where there's a sense of violence comes from it, comes in it to cleaving. It's a punching through. You can read about it in Matthew eleven twelve. It talks about the violent take it by force, right? And we're like, well, what does that even mean? The violent take it by force. Like, how does that even, how does that even work? How does that even happen? See, Passion Translation in 11.12, that, that Bible Passion Translation, look the way it says it like this. It's so powerful. It says, from the moment John stepped into the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. It changes your perspective to know that it's something that's accessible and available to us, that it's us taking hold, stepping in it, grabbing a hold of it, that we can step into this passion for Christ that is so deep, that deeper than we've ever known it to be before. It's, it's in the depths. By accepting the unacceptable, it knocks down and it punches through essential walls. It strides into the crosses of essential gaps that simply cannot be knocked down or crossed except by the power of this kind of passion. See, when I first came to know the Lord and I, and I did my crossing over like they were talking about there, from a religious aspect into what God was really about and the real tangible thing that he is, that my passion levels were crazy. Pete was talking about us being radical and us, and let me, I would, I would do it in the natural. Whatever he showed me, I'd go do it in the natural. And it seemed foolish and it seemed dumb, but I knew that there was a passion there of I didn't care what I look like. I didn't care. I didn't care what people thought of me. I didn't care about any of that. My thing was I wanted to get so close to God, chasing after him, having this intense passion after him that I would stay. I would lock myself up in the church and I would stay there for hours, pressing in and going after him in intensity, with so much passion, my drive inside of me would not leave until he showed up. See, that's the kind of passion God wants us to have this year. He doesn't want you to be caught up 
with all these other things that we can get caught up in. He wants you to come and surrender and be passionate people that he created us to be from the very beginning, that we can come in such pursuing after him that it breaks down the walls that we've created. It begins to cross us over to the supernatural things that he really has for us. But until we can gain our passion again, the passion that comes within deep inside our belly, we're going to miss out on a few things. And we don't, we, don't, we don't have to miss out on anything this coming year. We don't have to miss out in the encounters. We don't have to miss out on, on the, the, the sensible spirit, like just tangible things. God wants us to press in, be pa- full of passion that we go after this thing, that we become one with the spirit of God in oneness. I was uh, sitting there and I was, I was talking about, about this thing. And, and in Romans 8, 38, it speaks about, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in our creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. It's a done deal. He did it at he did it when he was crucified. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It doesn't matter what it is, nothing can separate you. We tend to separate ourselves, but nothing will separate you. Right there, right now, this moment, this very second, you have the ability to be so close to Jesus. There's nothing there that's stopping his love. There's no walls that are there unless you put them there. There's nothing that can separate you from that. In your mind, you do that. In your own thinking, you do that. And you can see in the translations how people's perspective was different and it changed on how they viewed passion. But when you see it from the perspective of heaven and Jesus, you'll know that it's a deep, deep thing that God wants us to remain in and be in, that we have so much passion that we're not going to leave. We're not going to stop just because we can. But we keep on pursuing the very thing that he created us to be and to do. I began to look up some things this morning in worship. And I began to ask the Lord, I said, God, I said, we're not the first generation that has gone to do these passionate things for God. There's many that have gone before us that were passionate. And that passion drives you in such a way that it does, you never stop. You keep running your race. You keep moving forward and plowing and building and planting that that passion comes in extremes. And, uh, And I began to look up where generals of the faith from the past, even some that are still present today, had these sayings about passion. Reinhard Bonnke was one of them. He said, anyone can believe when God is already moving, but real faith is when you step out when it seems that God is not moving. 
That is so amazing because it's telling us that we're trying to see things in our natural eye and faith begins to pull on our spirit that we begin to see past the natural things that we're seeing right now. This is something else he said that was so powerful. And it said, God always works with workers and moves with movers, but does not sit with sinners. I thought that was so powerful because here we are wanting God to do revival, wanting God to do all these things, but we don't want to do what we need to do to begin to align ourselves to move in this extreme passion for him. Busting down the walls. I think some of us need to even start with ourselves of busting down the walls. Look, I'm telling you, being transparent here, this past year, walls, some walls went up. You know why? Because I went through such heartache with my mom passing and my father-in-law passing that it was such a deep pain and hurt that my family felt that the walls began to go up and I didn't even realize it. And I began to sit in my office the other day and I said, God, I said, that passion that I had when I first began to experience you and have visions and encounters with you, I want that passion again. I want to go back to that place where I'm so hungry, God, that I, if I have to be in my face for hours and hours and just be before you, God, then that's where I need to be, God, that, because I, we're nothing without him. When we can get to a place of humility, of knowing that everything that happens in our life is totally 100% dependent on him and not our own strengths, not our own knowings and doings, then we can come to that place of getting into this deep, fiery passion with the Lord. And then our mind can't interrupt that passion of interruption when you're, when you're here before Jesus and you're trying to get more of him. And you're like, well, I'm just, I'm just a regular person. Like, well, like, how do you even get to that pl place? Like, how do you even do that? I begin to read, like, other generals' things that they've said in the past. See, all of these people that I'm going to be reading to you about, they all went through this same situation. They all went through heartache and pain, and they all went through, through things that, bad things that happened in their life. They didn't, they didn't. Um, every person I've interviewed in my life, every general of the faith I've sat with, they've all been very transparent and talked about those times where they felt alone, those times where they felt like they didn't have nothing to give to the body of Christ, those times where they were just like broken in certain areas. And God came in and gave them the supernatural passion that they needed during those times to begin to push them forth and where they, what they needed to do and what they needed to be in that moment, in that season. So it's not just us. It's people that have, it's like, it doesn't even matter. Billy Graham says this so good. I'm going to find it for you because he says it's so good. He said it's so, so good. It says, when God gets ready, Billy Graham said this. This is so good. When God gets ready to shake America, he may not take the Ph.D. and the D.D. God may choose a country boy. God may choose the man that no one knows, a little nobody, to shake America 
for Jesus Christ in the day, and I pray that he would. So if you're sitting there, if you're watching online right now, and you're like, well, I'm just, you know, this boy out in the country. Oh, well, I'm, I'm a nobody, God. What can I possibly do? Billy Graham was a little country boy. That's why he said that. He was once, nobody knew his name. Nobody knew who he was. Reinhard Bonnke was somebody who nobody knew who he was. Catherine Coleman, all these generals of the faith, they were all names that people knew nothing about. But because they had this intense passion inside of them, it drove them to greater lengths. And there's no difference from them and us. We all have that ability to gain the passion of Christ, to begin to pull from heaven, to thrush us and push us into something bigger and something deeper this year. We just have to submit ourselves to him, be before him, say, God, I just need your passion, God. If you don't have it already, you can ask him for it. I think that's what everybody gets caught up in. Well, I don't know how to do this. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how to even gain that. I don't, I, I'm not Reinhard Bakke. I'm not Catherine Coleman. I'm not any of these people. No, you're not. You have your own calling. You have your own identity in Christ. You have your own thing that God's given you this season for a now time. And what did it say? It said to step into it, right? Sometimes we have to just step into something to begin to walk in it. One thing that we heard this morning was Carol was talking about she saw her walking with the Lord. That was one of the first things we were supposed to do before Adam had his fall. And then Jesus came and regained all that back. He was talking about taking back the land. Jesus Christ came back and he took all the land. He took all the things where man had failed before and he brought it to a now time for us that we could walk with him in the cool of the day with no, no distractions, no hindrances, that we can literally walk with Holy Spirit and Jesus and we can hold Holy Spirit's hand and begin to walk with Holy Spirit every day of our lives. I was watching this, this movie the other day and, you know, when they do God movies, they don't always go 100% by the scriptures. But I remember one thing from this movie that I heard. And it said, it said after Jesus had left, they didn't know what to do when he was crucified after that. And these, all these people, Mary and all these people were getting together in a room. And they said, well, he said he was leaving us Holy Spirit. But, but. We haven't, we haven't received Holy Spirit yet. We're waiting on Holy Spirit. And it was true because they didn't know what it was going to look like for the next generation to walk with Holy Spirit. So they're there and they're like, we're waiting on Holy Spirit. Some of us to now for this generation are sitting there and standing there and you're saying, I'm waiting on Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is already here. 
Holy Spirit has already manifested itself in different places. And we've seen the supernatural and we've seen the works of the Spirit of God in all different places. It's all over media. It's all over all these places. So there's no reason why we can still stand here and say, I'm waiting on Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit is already here. Holy Spirit is, should be our best friend. Holy Spirit is what drives you and it picks you up when you fall. I was watching that interview with Mel Gibson and he was talking about the passion of the Christ and every time Christ fell with the with the with the heavy cross he falls multiple times and the Lord began to speak to me about that and he said see that's the way my bride is my bride falls but they get back up just like I did when I had to carry the cross I got back up every time because I knew that my sacrifice I knew that everything that I was created for was much bigger than I could ever imagine See, your perspective has to change and see things bigger. It's got to see things bigger and not in the natural eye, but by the Spirit of the Lord. That the Spirit of the Lord that you've been saying, I'm waiting for you, God. So many people are sitting there still saying that. Well, I'm going to wait for, I'm going to wait for on the Lord. Do you know how many believers I've heard that from? Well, I'm going to wait for the Lord. I'm going to get some confirmation. And confirmation comes over and over again. And we still have not moved or shaken or done anything. We're still sitting down saying, I'm going to wait on the Lord. Well, the Lord is already here. I'm telling you, this year, this season, the Lord has arrived. The Spirit of God is here. But we have to begin to activate Him inside of us. Activate Holy Spirit to come walking hand in hand with us this season and this day. That we don't forget the passion that Christ had when He was on that cross. And everything He bore on Him, everything He, he took on, on Himself was never for nothing. The past generals that paved the way for us was not for nothing. They're now sitting in the cloud of witnesses, just like my family, just like Pete's family. They're sitting in the cloud of witnesses, and they're, they're saying, come on, honey. Get up, honey. Get up. Come on. We got some things we got to do. And they're probably dying up there because they're like, oh, my God, we've already paved the way. There's nothing else you have to work for. There's nothing else you have to do. You have open access to everything. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, and he's like, it's already done. It's a done deal. Come on. Get up. Let's go. Let's move. Let's shake. Let's begin to do something for God today. Let's begin to magnify the kingdom of God in such a way that it's passionate inside of you, that you can't wait to tell the next person how amazing he is. Just like in my dream, when I sat down with the doctor, that their face would light up. The minute somebody comes to you and you begin to talk about the kingdom of God and you begin to speak about the Lord, your light should be lit up. Your it should be bouncing in every direction, wanting to come out of you. And if it's not, then get to that place of passion. Get on your face. Some of us have to get back on our face. Who are we? We haven't become these great people that we, we're no, no. We have to get on our face. We have to get on our face. I don't care what kind of initials you have behind your name or what kind of initials you have in front of your name but if you're not on your face nothing else matters if you're not on your face and you can't see people the way he sees he sees them then you're not there yet you haven't transformed into the very being God began to want you to 
nation. Yesterday, we had a phone call. We saw some videos yesterday of one of our ministries in Texas with our KB builders. There was a young man who was 16 years old. 16 years old. I can't even imagine. And days before that, they began to testify how he had just received Jesus days before he passed away. What kind of love is that? What kind of grace and mercy of the depths of God's heart is that? That God would come and allow him to receive that when he passed away, that he would go right walking into the heavenlies like any of us would have. Isn't that powerful? I sat there and I thought of this young man yesterday and I prayed for his family. And I was like, you know what, God, we can't waste any more time. We can't waste any more time. This 16-year-old began to understand and know what Jesus was trying to say and to do. And I thought about him and I said, God, it's not about us. If we are not a representation of what God's supposed to look like for the next generation, then we have lost it. The next generation, they're hungry and they're waiting for us to do something. They're waiting for us to call on the Spirit of God to begin to move in power. To begin that when they come to you with their problems, you're not like, well, I told you so. Well, you should know better. No, it's like the love of God and the Spirit of God unctions you to give advice, godly counsel of strategy from the heart of the Father. See, it's a whole different thing when you give counsel from the heart of the Father than when you give counsel from what you've known to be in your flesh. This generation doesn't need our own things. This generation needs the godly counsel of heaven from the Spirit of God. But we can't give that to them if we don't have it ourselves for our own lives. Let's just stand this morning. We're just going to call on heaven this morning. See, the Holy Spirit wants to come in and bring transformation. The Holy Spirit wants to come in and be our best friend. Holy Spirit, we just thank you this morning. pray right now, God, those that are watching, those that are in this place, God, that you would bring an increase of passion, God, that you would stir our bellies up in such a way, God, that we are no longer satisfied with the crumbles off the ground, God, that we learn to sit at your table, God, that we learn friend, God, your very best friend, God. Teach us this morning, Holy Spirit, how to take hold of what you've already spoken and done for us, God. Break down the walls, God, that some of us put up at times, God. Break down our walls, God, 
that we become in so much humility, God, that we're before you laying at your feet, God, that nothing we say or do matters, God, that you're honored, that you're glorified this morning, God, everywhere, God, all around the world, God, that you be honored, you be glorified, God. I pray for the shaking and the awakening to come right now, God. Let the dead come to life right now, God. Begin to resurrect inside of us, God, what passion really looks like, what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to be in each and one, every one of our lives, God. Let the passion be resurrected inside of us, God. And even that fresh bread you were handing out this morning, God, that I could just smell how good it smelled, God. <laughs> Let it manifest right now, God. Let your fresh bread be tangible. The, re the bread represents your word, God, that we need it daily, God. We need your word daily to be in our bellies, God. God, we just, we just ask right now, God, that there would be no more holding back. There would be no more holding back, God. That we would be the movers and the shakers and the shifters this season, God. That every generation would begin to see how real you are and begin to manifest in our presence, Holy Spirit. Just right there where you're at, just begin to pick up your hands and put them in the air. We're going to do an act of faith of receiving this morning. God, we pray that your passion would come, God. Your extreme passion, God, would fall in our bellies, would fall in our mouths, would fall in our hearts this morning, God. That the things that we were passionate before, God, don't come nearly close to what the passion that you would give us to have for your kingdom, to have for your children, God, to have for people around us, God, this passion, God, even getting to know you, God, this extreme passion to be before you face to face, God, face to face, God. That's what we're asking for this morning, God. Position us face to face with you, God. Face to face, cheek to cheek, God, eye to eye, nose to nose, God, that we can smell you. We can begin to breathe you in, God. Romahasha Tadra Boshitiba.